Of Church of the Geek. Um, this is, uh, as usual, this is Brian, um, coming from Pittsburgh, uh, along with uh, my friend Sam. Sam, how you doing? Good. Also coming from Pittsburgh. Yeah, and, right. Uh, funny how that works. Right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we are not in my basement this time, but that's fine. We are not. And it is just us tonight. Yes. Um, we decided to just have a moment where... Uh, an episode is just uh, the two of us. Just the guys. Just the because, two normal guys. Because we did the year in the mirror, but we've had a lot of uh, episodes with uh, friends of the podcast coming in. And, yes. Uh, it is... Uh, yeah, it's good just to sit back and do some stuff on our own for once. And it's kind of it's kind of a good time to take a little bit of a breather. Yeah. And I think with Christmas, there was so much going on with movies and films and stuff i still haven't watched yet that i really want to and with things coming up you know already kind of teasing teasing the future of the mcu and so on um now's a good time to just kind of take a little chill pill <laughs> and and uh talk about what we're going to talk about which is yeah. tonight uh, well so it all started i came across um an article uh, on um, what was it on? I have it right here. Uh, slash film, uh, and it was talking about the TV show Quantum Leap. Right. And, uh, yeah. Right. And so that um, the I guess NBC has a streaming service of their own that's coming up called the peacock right um so they uh talking about um reviving the uh the sitcoms punky brewster and saved by the bell but the um the head of programming planning and strategy jeff bader uh said that perhaps the uh series quantum leap would be coming back. Um, mm-hmm. And he seems to think that would be super exciting. <laughs> um, and we I were... think that would be a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we were kind of going back and forth on, on Twitter about this. And you had much more strong feelings about it than I did because I, I, I remember watching Quantum Leap like a few times, but never really it, it didn't tack itself into my memory as right. something you know that was more than just something to watch on a I don't even remember when it was on a like an evening probably right yeah right yeah and yeah knew knew the con knew the idea of it but 
I mean, when was that on? I mean, that was... So it was 89 to 93, which just happened to coincide with my exact college years. Okay. Right? This this was this meant more to me, I think, than you. Because I, mm-hmm. I got the sense when... Uh, when we, when we were talking back and forth, that you didn't have a great grasp of it. That that wasn't. I got the sense that it wasn't one of your. It wasn't a things. go-to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the same article that talked about it, right, said that sci-fi, the Sci-Fi Channel, mm-hmm. was was considering a reboot. Right. Um. That was, I guess, back in two thousand nine, and nobody. Uh, they realized that's not what fans wanted. Fans wanted to go back with the Scott Bakula, Dean Stockwell, Quantum Leap, same cast, which a um, little more complicated because Dean Stockwell's, I don't know, in his 80s. So... <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't hasn't work acted for four years, right? Yeah. So Part of the problem was the way the article is written is like, they didn't even get like I feel like they missed like a big premise of the show and so I was like, How much stock should I even put in like this in this article if that's if that's what it's going to if that's what it's going to be, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, for those of you who probably don't know, because again, that's twenty five years ago. Um <clears throat> uh, <laughs> old old man alert. Um when did you graduate again? I graduated. I graduated from college in '93. <laughs> well, I so, graduated in '94, so I mean, it's not that far off. Fair enough. Fair enough. I couldn't remember how much how much older I was than you. So it's it is the uh, it's right, the series. The whole point of the of the series is that Dr. Sam Beckett um, leads a, a team of scientists out in the desert project quantum leap um he's 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 at risk for losing his funding and so he is convinced though that a person can time travel within uh his or her own lifetime Mm -hmm. and uh, because the funding uh might be disappearing he decides to prove um his theory like every good scientist right he does it himself. <laughs> it's not. It's not at all the way it works. But there we go. Um, and of course, he goes back. He does travel through time. But this, uh, he starts getting. He actually gets. Um, he jumps into other people's bodies, mm-hmm. right? And he. So a lot of places say he jumps back in time every week to change history. No, he doesn't go back in time to change history. He he ends up back in time because, right? He's go. They're going by the ball of string model of the timeline. It's not a linear thing. It's all jumbled up, right? Mm-hmm. And so he might go from one point to another point on the timeline, but the timeline's all jumbled up. So he might go from 1965 to 1972, right? And he might be in uh, the body of an old black man one day, and then in the body of um, sort of a blonde t- uh, teenage girl the next time, right? And the whole point was that he had to make sure that the timeline converged. And so he had to make sure they had a particular outcome. That's where Dean Stockwell's uh, character comes in because he's a 
hologram um, observer from uh, Dr. Beckett's original time mm -hmm. that allows him uh, to sort of monitor the timeline and report back to to Sam. And this hologram, Al, is only able to be seen by Sam. Convenience. Convenient. In the storyline. But um, there it is. And so um, they're always checking, you know, there's an 80% chance that, you know, this is not going to work. Uh, you know, or as things start to work, there's always a little bit of a hook at the end. Like, we've done it. Why, why, have, why aren't you jumping yet? Um, and uh, yeah, so there, and there's always this one sort of last thing. But mm -hmm. um, it was a it was a it was a fine staple of of uh, science fiction. It very, I mean, way different. And you didn't have to have alien. Um, uh, didn't have to have alien sets and a lot of special effects. It was a, I mean, in a lot of ways, it was a pretty standard like '80s and '90s drama right it kind of reminded me even though in many ways it's not not like it at all but it reminded me of the old um lou ferrigno incredible hulk series in that there, there was no time travel involved but um you know david banner is kind of going through these situations finding himself in a situation where he has to correct some sign some, some kind of a wrong and then duck back out of it and even though it's 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 a much more more linear you know telling of this of the story you know there's still this sense of you know scott bacula is in these different kind of situations interacting with different people and trying to you know keep keep things the way they are rather you know that rather than right. having them change right no i think Which, that's I think that's the important part. He's trying yeah. to keep things the same so that he stays in his own timeline. Which if is he changes a, yeah. it, he doesn't get home. Which is a really interesting, um, very interesting plot and a very interesting way of looking at that whole, you know, time travel thing. Because everything, you know, about time travel is about going back and changing things or trying not to change things. And this really kind of takes that level of you know, trying to keep things in a certain way. Um, yeah. Which is hard to do given all that we know about time travel. <laughs> Just by being present in, in the timeline, you're, you know, by the process of even observation, you are subtly changing something. Right. Right. And I think, I think in, if we were to talk about, um, like real sort of timeline issues that basically the things that he changed um, were so minute, right? If there were changes mm -hmm. that he didn't end up, um, they were made, they were basically unstable changes. And so any divergence in the timeline would re uh, bring itself. It, it, yeah. It would recombine with the original timeline. So we didn't have to, it was a, it was a minor, it was a minor split and everything. Like right. whether you, you know, most of the time, whether you had a piece of toast or whether you had oatmeal and for breakfast, I mean, that, mm -hmm. that's not really going to matter. Right. 
to borrow the borrow the language of a friend of the podcast, Andy Walsh, just to show that I remembered something, it's like there's a strange attractor involved where things can diverge from the timeline, but then they find themselves strangely strangely attracted back to it. Exactly. And they resolve exactly. themselves. Well done. How Very about good. that? I sound that was really good, Sam. How about that? I should just end it right there. Yes. <laughs> Great. So you're saying I got to talk for the next 48 minutes. Is exactly. Yeah. But uh, not going to happen. So, so, and so now it's explain again, if you, about the, um, about the reboot and what kind of disturbed you about the reboot. Well, it, it's, it was, unne- it's, I, f- I feel like it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Right. It had, um, it had a good run. It was a, it, it was a good show. The one thing, the one thing I think that is interesting is there was no happy ending for Dr. Beckett. Sam never found his way back home. The The series finale is him just deciding, all right, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And he, he basically moves into the life of this, this particular body that he jumps into and goes with it. Right. So, I mean, it's not a terrible ending. He doesn't die a horrible death and he doesn't bring harm to the timeline. Um, but instead there is, he just sort of glides into the ether. He, he lives his life as someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all, it is actually, this is all streamable. Um, if folks want to go back and relive life, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's all streamable on NBC.com. I went back and saw that. And so. it seems like because of that ending, it would be very interesting to see that come back as a sequel as opposed to a reboot. Right. I feel like I would feel much better on a sequel, not a reboot. Right, as a continuation, like you know, where where are we now? What how has technology developed in some kind of way that we can bring Sam back, and how do we do that? Uh, the hook of the the hook of the series, right, is that uh, Sam could only travel in time in his own lifetime. Right, mm-hmm. that was the that was the constraint placed upon the the time travel so you couldn't jump back into way far back into sort of medieval britain and all that sort of and, stuff right? yeah and, and kill baby hitler and all those things right 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 you couldn't you couldn't do that um so he um any revival right at this point probably couldn't get sam right you couldn't you couldn't move on past that because this was back in the at that point right it was back in the 90s um Mm -hmm. the early 90s you know so basically a lot of the stuff was the 60s and 70s and a little bit of the 80s and that was kind of it right Mm -hmm. so doing it now you'd have to find somebody who was even older right so like still maybe his own age if you wanted to hook back into uh, Dr. Beckett's timeline. Right. So I guess that's another side of it that makes it for me just goes, we don't, we don't need this. And it, and even it a seemed, revival. 
Yeah, and it seems like, you know, that there's a sense of ending to it, even though there isn't a sense of ending for Sam. Right. So why, you know, so why do we need to dig this back up and redo it? Right. Now, part of it is, I'm sure, they're playing on the on nostalgia. Right. But, you know, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a popular show. Oh, they're absolutely. Um, I mean, they're they're bringing back Punky Brewster and all these things. Yeah, right. I mean, Fuller House and and Bill and Ted. So, I mean, so yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, nostalgia sells really really well. Yeah, I think part of it is part of my reaction. Maybe the biggest part of my reaction is just a reaction against nostalgia. We've we've been going down that road for quite a while now, mm-hmm. and it just it i'm kind of tired of it right and because nostalgia is that can be dangerous right um some of the uh, uh recent reboots that are out there um things that have happened things like um how about the reboot of macgyver right did they that reboot pretty... MacGyver? Oh, that's right. They did Mac- they reboot did. MacGyver. They did. I... <laughs> you can see how much cultural impact that had. Yeah. Um, well, and uh, um, Lost in Space. Right. Which had... Right. I it, that I thought that had a lot of promise, but I just kind of got a little... I don't, I don't know what it was. It just didn't click with me after a while. I got a couple uh, episodes into it, right? And I just me too. I'd watch the original on, you know, on sick days, home, watching the reruns on, you know, channel fifty three, and uh, or maybe twenty two, mm-hmm. right? And uh, yeah, they were they were great. And so this, it's it's far slicker, like the the Netflix series Lost in Space, that reboot, far slicker, um, lots of good effects, but not quite the same energy. It isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't know that that one did what a reboot is really supposed to do. Mm-hmm. How? What is your? What is your? What do you think makes a reboot? It's. I think to me, a, a good reboot. I th- there there's several reasons or things that make a reboot good. One is when you take an older project piece of piece of culture and rework it and re retell it in a modern way. I think like uh, lost in space is a prime example of that where it's, it's, it's not a continuation. It's these characters in in the exact same character names and so on. Whereas we might mix, mix uh, some, some things around in terms of age, in terms of gender, in terms of relationships and so on and, and dynamics and tell that story again in a, in a modern way with, um, you know, better, better special effects, better, different writing, things like that, different, different plots, different feel. And I think lost in space is a prime example of that. Um, I think star Trek the 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 new the the newer films uh with chris pine and so on are i think are another example of that where they they took uh 
the the series, you know, the original series, and relaunched it in uh, in the modern world with different relationships among the characters, some different um, storylines, flipping flipping roles around, especially flipping. Uh, Kirk's role and Spock's role and things like that, just to make it, you know, to kind of make it a little bit, you know, interesting and telling the story in that way where there is no, there is no continuity expected between the old and, and the new, even though they really slickly kind of, you know, snuck Leonard, Leonard Nimoy in the series, which was a great, you know, way of looking at it, not just as a reboot, but as like a parallel dimension. Right, I felt when I think that's enough of a um, of a move that the classic fans don't aren't completely uh, in a snit because right. oh, it's a it's another it's another dimension. Um, okay, that's fine. So uh, that works. Right, but things that didn't work, for example, I think. Um, I mentioned this to you beforehand was the ghost in the shell uh, movie that came out a couple years ago with Scarlett Johansson. And one, because I'm, I was a huge fan of the ghost of the shell um, movie film, the, the uh, anime when it came out and it was just, there was no reason to top that. Um, they, they redid the they redid it once that with 3D animation and the exact same plot and everything and i don't think that really took either i could be wrong but there was especially a lot of um and that was basically taking that anime and trying to 3Dify it and tell the exact same story with almost you know scene by scene but just gussied up with 3d animation and i think that's probably why it didn't work because it didn't have the same feel the same vibrancy the same um you know kind of visceralness is in well, some and cases. how much time how much time was there between the, the original and then that 3d well that's it, and i don't know i'd have to look and see how much time there actually there was between them um because there was a there was a few things in between like there was um there was a series, a couple series that came out, Ghost, Ghost in the Shell. Um, I, I believe it was on on Sci-Fi um, that were just telling, you know, telling a continuation of that story in the same world. And that was that was not a reboot. That was a you know a sequel, a you know a continued telling. Um, but and then when they did the film, they tried to do the same thing over again but casting it which didn't need to be done in the first place because they were you know they were trying to copy scenes from the anime which didn't it, it's it's one of those things where you just didn't think that it caught the scene very well like watching it in real life didn't necessarily make it any better than watching the animation mm -hmm. and then the casting the casting choices of Scarlett Johansson um, as well as others were baffling and really took fans um, in some places, in some 
situations into a very bad place. Yeah. Um, and there was, you know, some very, you know, pretty awful things that were that were said and done, you know, regarding it. And so that's one of those things I think that was a a good product that they redid for I you know for to make money or to think, hey, we can do this now with because of special effects and so on and and computer graphics, whatever. Um, and it ends up being a big flop. And then there's the reboots that are taking a relatively bad product and trying to fix it and then not really fixing it at all. Um, I'm thinking Spider-Man <laughs> with, you know, going from Tobey Maguire to, um, boy, I can't even remember his name. Uh, but the, the, the amazing, the amazing Andrew Spider-Man. Garfield, Andrew Garfield. My gosh. Yeah. That's how much those ones stuck with me too. Yeah. Where, you know, let's, let's take this and we'll make, you know, Spider-Man broody and we'll tell a story all over again and da, 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 da. And it didn't really need, need to happen, you know, that way either. And, which I think, you know, when Marvel did the Spider-Man Homecoming, they really tried, that again was another reboot, but they tried to avoid telling the, let's, you know, let's not tell the same story over again. Do we yeah. really need to tell a origin story three times when we already know this? It hasn't been that long. So that was one of, that was one of those things that just did not, you know, did not work. Um, as an example. Yeah. Well, and I, I always think also, um, Battlestar Galacta, I think Galactica, yeah. that was a, that was, I think a reboot that was better than the original. Yes, exactly. Right? That's, I'm uh, glad you brought that up. Cause that was one of the better series I think ever, you know, of its time. Agreed. Um, and I think, I think the important part of a, of a reboot, right. Is finding, the things that are important, right? Mm-hmm. So, right, if you talk about Ghost in the Shell and you just go from standard anime animation to a 3D animation, but nothing else changes, that's not enough. Yeah, that's not necessarily better. That's just different. It's just different and it's th- it's the same story. Here, you take the things in the story, certain things remain fixed. The things that are important right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you can play around with those to help bring out new meaning in different ways. Mm-hmm. Right? So the fact that um, Starbuck, right? Right. Uh, was female. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> all of the Apollo Starbuck stuff from the 80s series gets recast and go, wait a minute. And that 80s, were they were they gay? <laughs> Um, I mean, <laughs> all kinds of things pop in your head. A lot of latent uh, stuff going on then. Mm-hmm. No, but uh, right, you, you, it does make you think back and like, how do I recast? How do I reinterpret that? Right. And and you can reinterpret right. So right, um, if you're gonna do if you're gonna do a reboot just for um, a change of of style, 
like animation. Mm-hmm. That, that's not going to cut it. If you're going to do it um, just for nostalgia's sake, oh, we're going to do this because we know people will come out and see it. Oh, I mean, people might come out and see it, but it might also suck. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead, right, you have to you have to be willing to retell the story, but keep things. Some stuff has to remain anchored. Some stuff can change. Mm-hmm. And right, so Batman is, I think, is a great reboot character. Right. The different way. Right. We've had the Dark Knight. We've had the Adam West. Um, there's the Christopher Nolan uh, film adaptation, which I, I feel also counts is as a reboot. There's mm-hmm. I mean, it draws heavily on Dark Knight, but yeah, um, there's just. Uh, even the even the the Michael Keaton. Oh, the Michael um, Keaton was was the first reboot because that yeah, was so totally yeah, totally different than what people expected from you know the campy, um, you know Adam West and Burt Ward. Yeah, and actually now think about it. Well, I grew up with you know oh yeah right, which that became sort of iconic, but. Um, the Danny Elfman stuff from the '89, you know, da, 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 is also then it's it it has such a grasp on folks that it, mm-hmm. it moves into the uh, um, the animated uh, series. Well, right? that's yeah, I was there, that's the other thing I was thinking was the Batman the animated series, which is r- really good, was fantastic. <laughs> it's still good, and it it really reset and set the bar for how you know DC did its animation from that point on. And, well, and yes, and remember that is where Harley Quinn comes from, right? Which I I feel like Harley is such a uh, sort of fixture now mm-hmm. that um, we forget she's not that old within the mythos, right? It's almost like she was always there, yeah. <laughs> and it's almost and it's almost like Mark Hamill was always the Joker. So, so and so it it seems like a a good reboot is able to go back and look at the things in the past, not necessarily with a sense of nostalgia, but with a sense of of respecting those things and taking those things and bringing them forward and being able to interpret them those things to the to the modern world in a way that you can kind of reflect back, you know, the things that resonated with you then resonate with you now as you've aged in the same way, I think is, is part of it. Mm -hmm. It, uh, all of us can deal with, uh, I think a good reboot because right. If it's something that happened in our past and we Mm -hmm. really enjoyed it 20 years ago, well, we're different people, right? How much of the stuff that we watched when we were younger Pardon my dog attacking Uh-oh. something. Uh oh, someone's breaking in. Do I need to call the police? Do you need uh, some help? No, I have the cat here. He's fine. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, we're different people, and the stuff that the stuff that we saw back when we were young, we go back and we watch it now, and we go, "Oh, that didn't, that doesn't really hold up now, does it?" Yeah. Ooh. Um, even going back to Quantum Leap, I'm, there are there are things that I probably would watch now and and cringe, right? At the maybe the way they 
they dealt because there were times that they would deal with race. There were times, you know, deal with sexism and such. But um, how does that, you know, now I might think of that differently. I'm sure I would think of some of that differently. So, right. Um, but, uh, you know, early 90s television is, is not the same as now. And so we mm-hmm. have those we have those things that, that don't hold. Right. But this is the there is a really important part of um, the the work of the church mm-hmm. um, that uh, there is a sense that when we, we when we represent Jesus to now I mean it's different than the way we think about Jesus when we were growing up mm-hmm. there's a there's a there's a really I think there's a really important analog for us to, to think about how right. this looks what this means so. and and you know we talk about the church as being always reforming and always being re- reformed but a yet mighty fort- yes, oh, sorry i'm sorry you you're the you, you hit you... on one of our you hit one of our mottos i'm, I'm sorry yes. i had to sing like, it just the company song just sort of pops out <laughs> at those moments I, i'm trying to stop that but it's yeah, like it's uh, hard to it's like when you say the code to winter soldier in <laughs> <laughs> yeah if if you had said justification by grace through faith you said um priesthood of all believers uh, uh even though luther didn't say that um or uh, here i stand here stay ich kann nicht anders i have to jump up and uh do the uh mighty fortress so sorry just and then you're ready for instructions in, indeed okay so, you, you know, we talk about that always, you know, the church always being, you know, reforming and reformed um, and how that has looked in the more mainline denominations, especially, like you say, Lutheranism and Episcopalianism and, and Methodism, uh, where this, you know, it's there's a long history that has been, in, you know, involved and, of course, Catholicism as well. But I think there's less the the reform in Catholicism comes much more in uh, starts and judders, you know. Yeah. Over time. Yeah. No, my cat's attacking me. This is not going well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, all right. There are too many animals in this house, but in the and I was thinking about in now in my background in in um the evangelical church there is a very rocky relationship with um not not you know the reformation but tradition and nostalgia in in general mm-hmm. there are these two competing um forces of keep things the way they are and change everything entirely and always trying to find, I, you know, I've, I've went through the, this time of going through several churches, which, you know, um, were trying to live the life of the Acts 2 church. But meanwhile, they're only, they're, they're interpreting that in very selective ways. There was right. never any, any discussion about you know, let's all live communally and give up everything that we have and share it among one another. It, whoa, you know, whoa, 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 I know. Whoa. Never, that would never, you know. Let's, let's not get crazy. Let's calm that down. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's also the 
fundamentalist push towards don't change anything. There is no reason to change anything. Change itself is something that detracts from the gospel as opposed to, you know, brings anything to it. And so there's, we, we tell, you know, the old time religion in the old time way. And that's, it was good enough for them and it's good enough for me. Everything changed up until a particular point. Right. Because the, that, that's what the Holy Spirit was doing, bringing everything up to a particular point and then freezing it there. Right. So you have little interpretation of Scripture and the vicarious satisfaction of the atonement and you know, all, all of those things that that's – then you have to cling to all of those. Mm-hmm. That doesn't allow – if you – right? If you've got the five points of fundamentalism, there's nothing for you – there's no room for you to reboot anything. Right. Everything is codified. There is, yeah. There, the, you, you cannot reboot it. You can't even reinterpret it. There is no. There's not even a sequel. It's, it's. You're just constantly going back to the original, and, and there's a place for that because I think you know the other end of the spectrum has been evangelicalism, which turns on a dime in terms of, you know, we're doing the 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 seeker sensitive church and the seeker friendly yeah. church. And then that shifted to uh, the emerging church for a while. And then that shifted to the missional church for a while. And mm-hmm. so there's all of these things, you know, come around and are trying to do the same thing, you know, trying to live life and be the church in a biblical way. But there's this constantly it's it's a constant restlessness for hoping that things will somehow be better and that this new strategy or this new plan or this new leadership model or this new way of doing worship these new you know these new worship songs or this you know there's so many different things even this new setting you know moving from cathedrals to churches to uh mall storefronts right back <laughs> to you know it has has been something to the to mega churches to um the you know the satellite church model so that's it's it's thing where it's always reforming but it's always reforming so fast that you you're losing things in the process i think and it's kind of you you start to wonder if it's if it's change for change's sake um and so then you know we're sorting we're left with trying to sort through the changelessness of fundamentalism and and tradition in, in in general along with the changefulness of modern Christian sensibilities, at least in North America, I'll, you know, even preface it more that way because the North American evangelicalism, it's very much its own beast. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, and, um, we, we still have the same, uh, we have the same, uh, beast of nostalgia. Uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, if only it could be like the sixties or whatever golden age, 
the earth. We right. only get back to the early church, right? Mm-hmm. Even, even if we do this, right? But there's there's a sense of it was so much better then. But you know, I, it makes me think of right the recent um, brouhaha over uh, James Cone. Uh, oh I, yeah, uh-huh. was it was it was it Piper who? Who called him a heretic? I don't think it was Piper. I think it was someone else. I don't remember right? how that started, but yeah. There I was... don't either, but yeah. So, I mean, there were certainly voices that were left out before. And mm-hmm. I think that the that the proclamation of Jesus, um, the proclamation of the good news, I don't want to, I don't want to call each of those communities a, a reboot of it, but they certainly bring a, a more, a fuller understanding of, um, the, the proclamation of the good news uh, an, an interpretation of Jesus's life mm-hmm. that becomes really important right I mean the cross and the lynching tree is a really important book for for folks to um, to ponder the relationship of the gospel to the plight of uh, African Americans in in, in in the United States mm-hmm. um, and so right so that's the sort of gets thrown out as um, where James Cohen is you know labeled a heretic by some idiot. I wish I remembered, but it's best that I don't. So it's probably more than one. So, well, I mean, it, it was a. I mean, it was a massive. The the Twitter fight was yeah pretty brutal, right? Um, but the same way that, that the way we all do it, where we take um, the 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 trappings of culture and exchange them. Um, for the gospel, mm-hmm. we we have all done it in, in throughout the history of 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 the church that that happens, right? And there's always a, a constant negotiation with the culture around us, and what does that mean? What does that look like? But um, it's also sometimes then we get the reaction to suddenly, well, we can't do that, and so now we're we have to draw a hard and fast line. And so now we end up with culture wars that we end up preaching. Um, mm-hmm. Like some of the terrible, terrible clips that you have now introduced me to. On Twitter. <laughs> the IFB the, uh, preaching. Yeah. Oh. IFB, yes. Wow. Some of that is so bad, man. So much talking about pants. <laughs> so much. Women shouldn't be wearing them. Um, uh, you you need to be cautious if your babies are wearing sleepers that have pants on them because you know that have the zipper legs because they might grow up to think that they're pants. You know and, it's a slippery slope. And and uh, men, even though you can wear pants, you don't want to wear you don't want to wear the tight jeans because now suddenly you're not a real man anymore. Right. Which let's just wow. <laughs> There's a lot of pitfalls. <laughs> There's a lot of pitfalls here, right? But, but no, really. Thinking, going back to the the conversation around, for me, the 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 really important part is how do we continue to reinterpret and proclaim the message of and about Jesus? Mm-hmm. Those that is the place where I feel like we have the most. Um, the most need because we, we can't preach the same thing that we preached in the seventies or eighties or nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, because we just like we go back and look at what we watched then and what we, where we are now, 
things have changed for us. Right. The, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that the word of God changes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's I, that's right. not it. But your your reading of it and understanding of it is ne- necessarily going to change yeah. based on your life experience, your the people that you've met, the other things you've read, and that's going to impact how you how you read these things. You're going exactly. to, you're going to read you know the letters of Paul much more differently when you're you know, 18, 19 years old than when you, when you're 50, 60. And, and so those things are, you know, are going to be in in many ways, that's the way that the, the, the truth and the, the core is, is preserved, but how that is told and expressed and lived out changes over time, depending which I think, to me, the the guideline of not necessarily what do we do, but why are we doing it, is more is probably the you know a better place to start, because when you when you know why you're doing something, it'll tell you how to do it. I think if your if your goal of rethinking the church or rebooting your your discipleship program or rethinking how you're you're doing your 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 messages the church service itself if the purpose of that is to try and meet some kind of mold or because you think it's going to be more effective that's gonna you're gonna have a different outcome and product than if you approach it as how do how does this particular community and why why does this particular community reach god and speak to god in such a way and how can we do that and speaking to that speaking to the community in the time in the time where it is finding what's what's valuable to it what it holds dear where it can go uh, where it can be led and how you can be a shepherd in that congregation. I think that's right. As and far I, and as I th- yeah, I, and I think this is where, in some ways, the the American church has been a, a little bit of a detriment, right? We we hold we've had this vision of the Bible as like a book, right? When we have to right. remember, right? It's the collection of books, and so much, like just reading the different gospels alone, right, gives us different elements of what are so different what what each community thought was different and important about jesus mm-hmm. and then we can lift those all up but we we have to be we just have to be ready you know and, right. and willing not to just say no we have to create one harmonized thing that must that is the story of jesus and that may never change you know mm-hmm. I, I see a, i see a real willingness among other um other religions um and, and such to allow for a diversity of interpretation around their sacred texts, right? Mm-hmm. Judaism has, when a, when a question goes up to sort of rabbinical councils, you know, the reply doesn't come back saying you must do this. It's, so here's a, here's a spectrum of things for you to think about. Right. Right. And so you can go from A to G, 
of of your of your responses. Um, the the folks I know who are Hindu uh, that I uh, talk with and and have known now at uh, like at CMU, um, very much the same way. Like they have different schools of or traditions within Hinduism, and it's they're all still looking at the same book, but their practices are a little different, and they're they kind of all live together. We uh, Christians have the different um, we have the different denominations, but we you know we we do realize schism is a sin, but that only means we have, we want everybody else to become just like us. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a and there are there are lines obviously between what you know what is inside and what is outside of the Christian faith, but I think. So uh, many of the lines that are drawn on the inside are often drawn not to necessarily be faithful to scripture, but to try and elevate one point of view above another. Right. We want to, we want to dominate the, the conversation. Right. We want, we want to be the right one Mm -hmm. because that's the most important thing. Yes, exactly. Because if we're not right, we're we're not going to get in that book of life. Mm-hmm. And rightness has a lot of connotations around not only being in the book of life, but also whose voice is heard more, who Absolutely. is who's Absolutely. um who's calling the shots and, and power those issues. So, yeah, there's there's a lot that that goes on, uh, you know, to muddy the waters, but I think. And, and part of my experience, you know, when going to seminary, the, the biggest benefit of going to a seminary like Yale, where there's a multitude of traditions and backgrounds and individuals from the, ex, you know, extremely liberal um, to the pretty down the line you know, to Mormons, you know, in terms of strictness of interpreting scripture um, and everything in between and people of none and people of people of different faiths, you know, Jewish and um, even uh, I'm trying to, I don't think there was a Hindu, I don't think we had Hindu students there, but I know that we had some Jewish students. I know that we had um, students who were atheists that, there were students who were humanists, that there were students who, um, I believe even, you know, were, uh, Wiccan in some, in some cases, I think that was after I left, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where you have to bounce off each other and those differences help to hone your own sense of what is important and what is not important. Yeah. All right. I don't know that. Um, I was going to say if you would if you would reboot the church, what would it look like? But I don't know if there's an answer to that. Yeah, I don't. I don't ask me that question because then it's going to look the way I want it to. Right. And I'm sure Ooh. that's not what Jesus wanted. Good point. And a good and a and a good reason why reboots don't work is because it's more often based on how you would like it to look than 
they can work if you serve the story. Yeah. Right? I think that's the important part. If you are serving yourself or some other subordinate good or non-good, um, it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna fly. It's not gonna yeah, the story right because then the story is lost, and if the story is lost, there's no point. Right. I think the prophet in a sense, the prophets are a reboot in, in Judaism, but they continue to serve the story. Mm-hmm. Right? Um my own background, Luther uh, serves the story, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly has some issues. There's, uh, you know, but um, at least the, the precipitating factor is about serving the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's a, that's really important. So. Yeah. And that's a good marker around whether a particular interpretation or reboot or retelling uh, succeeds or fails. Yeah, that's right. I, I think that's right. Very cool. I think it's a, I think it's a good place to stop too. Good place to stop. Serving the story. It's really important. So, so serving the story as our story ends, what are you geeking out about? So last time I, I, uh, I kind of complained that I was, as much as I'm enjoying it, it's, it was a it was a bit of a slog going through um, the Oathbringer uh, novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't finished it yet because I need, I felt like I needed a break, and I got uh, one of my uh, holds from the the library uh, came on, so I was able to. I use the I use the the uh, the ebooks from the library just so much, um, and the. Uh, the book, The Fifth Season, by N.K. Jemison. It's uh, part of her um, Broken Earth series, mm-hmm. um, and it's just—it's a fantasy novel that just has a completely different setting, um, and it's. It's it's fascinating. It's mm. absolutely fascinating. I I uh, I am really uh, enjoying it. There, uh, because I don't really have any clue what's going on. Um, I'm I'm working a little harder at it. But, um, <laughs> uh, I really do think. And then there are there are different uh, sections, like so different characters, different points of view. One of which she's writing in uh, second person. Okay. You open your eyes, like you open your eyes and see this, and da 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 da. da right. So everything is you. You do this. You do this. Uh, you see this. You hear this, and that's a. That's we're not used to that in a lot of our writing, or a lot of our reading. Right. A lot of the stories don't do that. It's usually I or or sort of the a third person narrator. Of some of some way, but this it it just it sets stuff off nicely. It does help me keep track of some of the threads. Oh, right, this is the U thread, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so very interesting stuff. Very, it is not your standard uh, fantasy, which is really mm-hmm. beautiful. And she's uh, um, N.K. Jemison is a uh, 
African-American uh, woman author. And um, okay. so I'm glad that this is a, a very different take on things. She's also, she also, what is the, um, doing this, this bit for, um, she has a title for DC in the, uh, the DC Young Animals. It's Far Sector. Um, mm-hmm. And it is um, an untried Green Lantern um, character. Uh-huh. Um, confronts a deep space mystery in far sector. Okay. So, so she's also writing for that, which I think uh, I'm waiting for the um, the um, the first few uh, issues to be collected into a, uh, and I'll probably pick it up then. Mm-hmm. So, makes that a little easier. But that's where I'm at. What about you? I just picked up. Um... A new started a new series in Image Comics called Protector that I saw a preview for it somewhere. I think it was I don't know if it was on IO9 or if I picked up a preview something in the in the comic book store, but it had a really interesting uh, visual style to it. It kind of in some ways reminds me of uh, manga, but it's it, it's different in its own little respect. Um, Interesting, and an interesting thing about it is it it takes place you know in the far future, um, in kind of a climate destroyed North North America, but um, the the writers um, and it's written by Simon Roy and uh, what Simon Roy and uh, Daniel Benson with Image, and then the art is by I'm going to butcher because it it's Russian it's Artyom Trakhanov, but it's they build a really interesting even just in the first issue it's a very interesting and rich um world and anthropology there's a it's kind of these different tribes of people that uh are relics of kind of the modern day world there's one culture called the yankee who are you know the leftovers of North America that have been pushed north into Canada and the Hudsonai are another um, uh, culture that are kind of the, the remnants of, of Canadian culture. And it's interesting in that the, the, the Canadian uh, world is pretty much now the, where everyone is living because North America is shot and, but it's a very, everything is now very, very primitive. And even the, like in, in the back, they, in the, of the first issue, when they're describing the different cultures, they, they sketch them out and give them histories. They give them backstories. They tell where they came from. Um, and they, they're drawn very much like um, indigenous Aboriginal, you know, people. Um so it's it's a really interesting and kind of the the plot of it is this one slave girl um, on the run from her her owners uh, stumbles into a uh, kind of a decimated vault in the the Yankee capital of Chicago and stumbles upon this like uh, NATO war robot and. It comes to life after getting 
some of her blood, which she's cut, you know, kind of dripped onto it. But it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting visual style. It's an interesting, interesting story. The author, Simon, Simon Roy is, is Canadian. So, uh, obviously the Canadians are the good guys, which I'm fine with, um, seeing as I married one, but, um, it's, it's, it's fair it's, enough. And it's a, it's going to be like, it's just a six issue arc. So it's not going to break my bank. Um, like all, all my other stash of, I'm still trying yeah. to keep up with the, uh, X-Men relaunch and that's getting expensive. Yes. <laughs> but here we go. I, I, yeah, I talked with, uh, Jeff, my comic book guy and like, when is this going to be done? And he's like, I don't know, but it's, it's they're just until it's until they've killed it so, as they nice. have a custom of doing so but anyway that's where i'm at so i'm enjoying that cool and recommend that pick it up at your local shop and awesome all righty well it is that time again sam time to shut it down for the night so um Thank you once again. Shut it down. Call it a peg. Call it a. Uh, what is that? I've never and heard thank that. You. What? Call it a peg? I have yeah. no idea. I, this just came out of my. That just oh, came okay. out of my mouth. I was like, where did that come from? From you. <laughs> Very Welcome good. To the things that come out of my mouth. Nice. All right. Yes. Um, well, anyhow, uh, thanks, Sam. Good conversation. And. Um, as always, folks, uh, you can feel, feel free to uh, touch base with us on Twitter at Geek Church or on Facebook at Church of the Geek, um, where you can uh, add some more uh, conversation around uh, reboots and what they are and what they aren't. And um, we hope uh, that uh, all of your reboots are fruitful and not wasting people's times so because <laughs> that can be a thing but yes. anyway um i hope they're not 3d cgi please that's no. just a bad thing just a bad thing all right uh that being said everybody uh, stay well uh and geek be with you and also with you <laughs> <laughs>